John, you there? Hey, what's up? How you doing, brother? So good. How about you, man? Outstanding. Y'all saving the world? <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh, man. I was hoping to talk to you today about stress and uh, maybe even dread. I, I don't know how, how the two of those are related to each other, but you had a really fascinating take on online. And so um, I thought this would be illuminating just because I, I haven't really thought about um, anxiety in, in the way that you posited it. I mean, quite uh, often we, we try to do things that, that stop our anxiety, like, oh, I'm just going to do some breath work or some yoga. And while I think those things can certainly be helpful, especially in the moment, uh, you, you you seem to think that it's it requires a little bit more than breathing a few times to fix the uh, <laughs> Well, I, I like to refer to it in, as acute and ongoing, right? Like I can stick my fingers in my ears for a second and make a sound go away. Um, yeah. But yeah, I need to, if I want to get that ringing to stop over time, I need to deal with a whole lot more than that. Yeah. So, so. But I love that. Stress or dread, man. That's it. That's awesome. I love that. Well, let's, let's talk about it because anxiety is usually a, I think it's, it's a, it results from a, a particular event or series of events, things that have, uh, that are occurring in your life. But dread might be this sort of low-level base note that continues to go on that maybe doesn't have a direct cause. So, are you talking about stress, stress, and versus dread? Anxiety versus dread. Oh, yeah, anxiety versus dread. So, the way I would characterize dread is something that hasn't happened yet that mm. we are intellectually anticipating, or even biochemically anticipating, right? So um, you, you may hear about folks who go home and they're in an abusive relationship. And as they turn the corner and start heading towards their street, towards their home, their, man, their amygdala gets fired up. They're, they start breathing a little bit shallower. Their body is preparing for what's coming. And that happens before, you know, our conscious mind even starts thinking about it. Um, that right. happens when you work a job that you hate or where you're disrespected, right? So dread is this idea of anticipation. Um, anxiety is this fear of the future, but it is a often a very real right now moment where my body is taken over for me because it's I, my my thinking brain has not gotten the signal that I need to get out of what ecosystem I'm in, and my body has said, "Sound the alarms, baby! It's time to run." Now, John, how, how does that manifest? When, I mean, obviously, there, there, there are some telltale signs. How does someone know they're anxious? Because I think a lot of us are walking around anxious and not even realizing it. Yeah, I, I like to differentiate between anxiety that's good. I think a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress is good for us. Um, it's okay. the stuff that makes me shower before I go to the office, right? Or to pull out those nose hairs before I go on a date. Like, um, it makes me look over my notes before I talk. So that kind of anxiety, that kind of, um, uh, you know, cortisol response and adrenaline response, that's good. It gets you, your body amped up and it also helps you run, right? It helps you recognize situations you need to get the heck out of. Um, where it's not good is when your body takes over. And so those are the intrusive thoughts, that constant stress that, this is always going to be like this. Um, that low level hum, your heart won't stop beating. You um, can't sleep and you can't, don't want to walk around. You're constantly fearful. And then you start moving over into what I call really binary catastrophic thinking. This is going to happen and it's going to ruin us. And that's when you slip into depression. And I, I like to think of anxiety and depression on the same trend line. Um, one's just a, 
for an expression of the other just further down the road a little bit and then they loop back on each other in a a pretty annoying way yeah so sort of compounds you you can go from yeah the the sort of crazy eight cycle but uh, instead of sadness and anger you're talking about anxiety and depression right so sadness and anger I i would suggest are feelings or emotions and anxiety is when the machine takes over right Okay, so let, let's talk about uh, if we're looking at anxiety and we're looking at bad anxiety. Um, obviously, there are things that we can do in the moment. If, uh, uh, but if the house is on fire, we don't want to uh, stop and and do a few fifteen minutes of yoga poses in order to fix the uh, to fix the house fire. Now mm-hmm. we have this metaphorical ha- house fire going on all the time. It could be work related. It could be relationship related. It, it, it could be creativity related or health related. Um, and, and, and so we're dealing with these, these sort of, uh, fires everywhere around us. And it seems to me that we need to deal with those if we want to actually deal with the anxiety, not, not just the, uh, the things that will temporarily give us the, uh, a bit of relief. Right. So I, I yeah, I like to tell the analogy I like to use is anxiety is nothing more than a fire alarm system. That's it. Right. And what we normally do when that alarm goes off is we Google something, we call a friend, um, we go to our default settings of numbing behavior, whether that's a bunch of Netflix or alcohol or somebody else to sleep with, whatever, whatever. We buy stuff that we don't need. We fill our house full of you know junk we don't need, whatever our numbing behavior is to just get the alarms to quiet down. And then the further along they go, the louder they get. And at some point you either break. Um, or your house is burning down around you and you didn't realize it because you were focusing on shutting the alarm off and you didn't realize, right, your kitchen's on fire. And mm-hmm. so wh- one of the things I like to encourage folks to do is to, to step back and just take an inventory of your ecosystem, right? Just take it, do an ecological inventory. I think what you guys do is, is remarkable. You tell people to look around at all the junk that you have. What are you... What, yeah. What literal baggage are you carrying? And then there's more metaphorical baggage, right? What are traumas you haven't dealt with? What seven-year-old kid is inside your heart still protecting you from relationships and from getting hurt again and getting burned again? And that's when you start dealing with those fires, then your alarms turn off naturally. And there is, for some some folks, that, that does need some pharmacological intervention, right, to help turn the alarms off just so I can hear a counselor, just so I can hear my my group that I meet with twice a week. Um, sometimes that's necessary, but I think we've spent so much energy trying to figure out how to duct tape a pillow around the alarm system without (laughs) dealing with the reality that we're in the wrong job or we're in the wrong relationship, or I'm not fully showing up for my partner, or I won't deal with the debts or the excess or my historical traumas, the way my dad treats me, all that stuff we don't deal with. And then we like to just blame the alarm system. And there's a whole industry trying to get that thing to shut up. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that you know, it, advertisers are, are really good at creating a, a sort of false demand, and so we are constantly pursuing a lot of the things that we think we want, but we don't necessarily want. Now, that can be stuff, obviously, with, with consumerism, giant problem there. But uh, there are a lot of other things that we pursue as well. There are these sort of mimetic beliefs of, of society being thrust upon us, and we, we take them on as though they're personal beliefs. If I can get that promotion, then I'll be happy. If I can get that car, then I'll be happy. If I can get the right relationship, then I'll be happy. And then, of course, we get those things, 
or when we do get them, quite often they become the objects of our anxiety, don't they? Yeah, there. I love to tell folks that um, number one, there is no there there. There is no place where you just go, ah, I'm, I made it. That doesn't exist. That's not real. It's a myth. And the second thing is the worst part about getting wherever you think you're going to go is that you go with you. Your same <laughs> crap, the same bum in a relationship, the same person that can't deal with their their precious addictions, that that guy shows up with a million dollars. That guy shows up with a, with a new girlfriend. That guy shows up with a new job. And until you deal with that, your alarm systems are going to ring and ring and ring. That is a great place to end it, brother. John, thank you so much.